Welcome to the Up The Cream podcast episode 12. I'm Dan Tomlinson and I'm joined as always by Rich Harrison. How are you doing, pal? I'm very well, mate. And you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, still calming myself down after Sunday night's LFC 18-12 victory at Leeds. I suppose if you're going to do things the hard way, then that was the absolute optimum of that. Yeah, back to the wall that one, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The defence, that defensive drum that we've banged about all season was... Mm-hmm. Was that the four again? I mean, defensively, that was incredible. Mate, last year, that that would have been a, a twenty point defeat for us, guaranteed. That you know, there's no way we were defended that amount of sets on our own line um, with the defensive attitude we had twelve months ago. No way. You're absolutely right, and that's what it's all about. It's about attitude, isn't it? And Hull FC's yeah. defence right now is a brick wall, but they're getting numbers into tackles. They don't shut up talking. They get a they, they, they thrive off it. They absolutely love defending. And again, that's yeah. all about attitude, and you can't emphasize it enough. You can't emphasize it enough because it, it, it's something we have not seen in a good two and a half years now in whole FC side, and we've seen it pretty much every game. And obviously, it was a little bit of a reality check against Catalans last week. But defensively, we've been outstanding this year. And although the volume of defense is something we can come on to later, and it's not ideal, the fact that Hull were willing willing to roll their sleeves up and and put that defensive effort in last night and scramble and. And I say get the numbers in and, and be resolute like that. And literally, it was Fort Knox at times. Leeds just yeah. couldn't get through. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, we didn't help ourselves. We put ourselves under a lot of pressure just with silly drop balls and, and indiscipline and, and silly penalties and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, you know, it took it took a, um, a wide, um, you know, we, we, we conceded wide for that last try, which meant they couldn't even kick the goal. So, um, you know, it's like we said before, you know, it's pretty hard to play through through us and it's pretty hard to play around us. Um, we've just got players playing for each other. Um, and it just it just seemed to me to be, it was a complete team performance, really. You couldn't really fault any of them. No, absolutely not. And everything good, I would say what we've seen of Hull this year has been built on defence. And when we force an error, they celebrate it just as much as they do a try. And I love yes. that because it means yeah, that much to them. They, they take so much pride at the minute from keeping that line intact. And it's like you say, the yeah. opposition sides can't go through us. Even Wigan, when we yeah. got beat by them uh, in the Super League a few weeks ago, they had to go around us. You know, Catalans yeah. last week, I mean, they got a lucky try when it ricocheted off the post. But, you know, you think Tom Davis got two tries out wide. You know, they, they, it's not like they was busting through us, you know, to go over close to the line. So, a really, really pleasing aspect of Hull FC right now is, is obviously the defence and how tough we are and how resilient we are and, and long may that continue. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've said it. We've said it from from day one. He, he spoke about it in in pre season and said that what he wanted to do was make sure that when we were under fatigue, we went straight into our drills and straight into our form and straight into our positions. And that's exactly what we did. We must have been under tremendous fatigue. I mean, what was the percentage of possession in that second half? Like 60, 40, 70, 30? Um, and we just repelled them time after time after time. And like I say, it was only in the last three minutes that they get over and right over on the wing. Um, you know, I mean, let's let's talk about Tom Briscoe's pirouettes and, and barrel rolls and all the rest of it, because that still mystifies me. But, um, you know, we, we were good value for that win. And... 12 months ago, we wouldn't have won that game. Simple as. In fact, you could probably, that's now three games that we wouldn't have won 12 months ago that we have won this year. You know, probably the Wakefield game, certainly the Wigan Cup game and this Leeds game, we wouldn't have won 12 months ago with the same personnel. That's the crazy thing. And it shows mm. that it can be taught because, like you say, barring Josh Reynolds, this is a completely yep. same side as last year. So clearly, it is an attitude thing. Squad. Yeah, it's an clearly it's an actual thing. It's all about desire defence. Yeah. How 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 much you're willing to stand up as individuals, but as a team as well, and back your mate, and like I say, get those numbers in and and get that enthusiasm in. And it shows that, like I say, it can be taught. And it, and again, that's yeah. the same for the attack. And we obviously, want to see improvements in that as the season goes on. But defensively, they've bought into what Brett Adson's obviously yeah. implemented at the club. Again, I say you have to include. Gareth Ellis into that as well because no one's telling me it's not a coincidence that Hull FC are defending as well as they are right now yeah. with him as assistant coach and him having a Absolutely. obviously a voice in that yeah. club and yeah it's just it's as simple as that isn't it so it shows the improvement in Hull is obviously down to the changes that the club have obviously had the bottle to yeah. make in the off season and, and fair play yeah. to them and look you can balance it against the fact that you know offensively we weren't fantastic <clears throat> we really weren't but 
you look at, you know, probably um, Griffin's been quiet the last couple of matches, but he absolutely made Conrad Hurrell look like an idiot twice. Easily like an idiot. I mean, he sat him on his ass twice, and that's fantastic. Um, you know, and Swift is a proper winger. You know, he's, he's not a barnstorming, tackle-busting winger. He's a, he's a thoroughbred racehorse. He's not a cart horse, you know, like we've had. Um, and it's great. It's great to see, mate. You know, you've got Jake Connor shouting obscenities at people at one side of the pitch, and you've got Reynolds doing the same at the other side of the pitch. You've got a team of forwards that you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. You've got a scheming hooker. You've got a, a sublime kicking game from seven. And you've from one to 17, mate, and that bench... You know, every one of those guys on the bench would probably command a first team place at any other, any other um, team. Yeah, complete performance. And how often have we gone to to Headingley and come back embarrassed, disappointed, paid off? You know, especially in the pissing rain, it's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Three wins now at Headingley this year against yeah. Huddersfield. Obviously, Wigan in the cup and now and now Leeds. That's unheard of. Three away wins yeah. in three consecutive seasons. If you like, I know Hull got beat. By Leeds at Headingley on what was Hull FC's home game last year, which is that sounds yeah. mental, doesn't it? But yeah, that's so yeah. that's that's COVID for you. But yeah, our last three actual away games against Leeds at Headingley we've won now 2019, 2020, and obviously twenty twenty one. And in the Super League yeah. era, that is unheard of. You're probably going back to the the nineties when Leeds were shite, and again in the eighties when Leeds were shite. So when yeah. Hull actually went, you know, to Headingley that frequently and got victories, and obviously that wasn't just Leeds, that was cup finals that they won at Headingley, whether that be Yorkshire Cups or John Players. So yeah, that, that's great to yeah. see. Conrad Hurrell point is absolutely bang on the money. I just don't understand the hype with him. He's in a complete myth. Turns like a cargo ship in the Suez Canal. Yeah. Absolutely well, hopeless. Basically, built like a brick shit house with all the mobility of one as well. <laughs> you know? He just... Yeah. I mean, with the ball in his hand, he should be a wrecking ball. But he just looks laboured, doesn't he? He just—he looks like he's not fit. He looks like he could probably do a, to lose 10 kilos. To be honest, I mean, if, if you put him in the pack, you'd go, well, he's a typical, you know, Champagne Charlie fat boy prop, you know, but he's out there in the centres. I'm, I'm yet to, I'm yet to see what the myth is, you know, I'm yet to see, you know, even when, when as an opposition supporter, you look at a player for another team and you go, I don't rate him, but I can see why other people do. I, I don't get it with Hurl. I, I, I never got it when he played for the Warriors over here. Um, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I, he's not. He must do something spectacular in training because he does bugger all on the pitch. And I mean, you want to look at that game, the first game of the season last year, when um, you know he, he he got absolutely stood up a couple of times by Carlos and by um, by Rato Nalogo. He's just man, he's a cart horse. He is, and like you say. It- what, what baffles me is when you get all these exiles or whatever that, that team is called now, they, 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 oh, put no. all, yeah, they put all the provisional teams out for that and it's like, oh yeah, we'll put a Conrad, Conrad Hurl in there. Carlos uh, Tumor Vavi never gets a look in and you're telling me that the yeah. worlds apart them two blocks. Obviously yeah. I know Hurl was up against Griffin and Carlos was on the other side, but it, it's baffling. It's like He's like a TikTok yeah. rugby league player, does a few dances, waves to the crowd, but his actual rugby league skills... A park footballer, you know, you like you always say with James Roberts, what is he? A park footballer yeah. with pace. What's Conrad Hurl? He's a park footballer with speed, yeah. Yeah, what's, yeah. what's a Conrad Hurl? Park footballer with a bit of size. I just yeah, exactly. don't understand Mate, it. Put the Ronnie the Rhino head on him. Put the Ronnie <laughs> the Rhino head on him. I don't think anyone would notice a bloody difference. Well, maybe that, maybe that's a role for him. Run out as Ronnie the Rhino. Yeah, <laughs> stand and st- if you want to dance and piss around, mate, we'll give you the Rhino head and go do it in front of the South Stands. Who, by the way, are a pain in the ass? That... Prick with the drum and the prick with the with the um, uh, trumpet. Oh my god! I mean, that is typical. That is that is that is manufacturing atmosphere. That is because you haven't got any atmosphere of your own. I mean, they're singing "Marching On Together," Leeds United song. Nothing to do with rugby league. They've adopted that from a soccer team. This they just they've got no identity of their own anymore, Leeds. You know, they always used to be a classy team. But, you know, they're, they're a team with pace and a team with really good halfbacks or a team with a lot of local juniors. You know, a team team that you really admired and looked up to. Even if you hated to do it, you looked up to them. But now they're a team with supporters that are basically so clueless about the history of, the, of their own team that no one calls them the Loiners anymore. Everyone's going, Rhinos, Rhinos. They're singing a soccer club song and they've got Richard Agar as a coach. 
God of the mighty fallen there. Not complaining. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not complaining either. It's brilliant. It's a horrible flashback. I know we've said this a few times, but watching a Leeds under Richard Richard Agar gives me nightmares yeah. a little bit. You know, back to 2009, yeah, yeah. 2010, 2011, where we were absolutely hopeless. Our attack, it took yeah. us 30 tackles to get over the line. I mean, took, yeah. Yeah, what did they have? They must have had about 15, 20 sets oh, in those 10 and just couldn't get over. Yeah. Probably on the rest as yeah. well. But yeah, it was just a totally horrible flashback. Clueless. Totally clueless, and and I'm sorry, but Luke Gale, there's another one with a myth around him, because you know as a halfback, it's your bread and butter to be unlocking a defence like that, and he he offered nothing, absolutely sod all, you know he tried to, you know he probably the only thing he did in the entire match was to get away with a sin binning when he did the professional foul um, when Hodgson made his break, uh, sorry when um, Houghton, uh, Danny Houghton made his break. Um, and then he sparked that brawl in the in the second half as well. Um, but that that's it. That's all he did. Um, but apart from that, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is with with him. He just and again, people say, oh, you know, you know, I'd rather have him ahead of ahead of Snead in a, in, a, in a Great Britain squad. Why? He does nothing. He's you know he's he's just he, he's not an organizer. He's a poor defender. Um, his kicking game's not that crash hot. Um, I, I don't get it. He's another one that I just. I haven't bought into the... I don't get it. I, I, I just don't understand. The, the one Leeds player that I would love to see in a whole shirt is probably Olejski. Um I thought he was fantastic in their, in their back. An absolute pack leader. And, and probably like a young Scott Taylor, you know, the, the way that he's busting tackles and hitting hard in defence. Probably the one Leeds player that I'd like to see in a black and white shirt. But apart from that, I don't think they're, they're going to worry anyone. No, they're a rabble right now. And... Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fantastic to see, and absolutely yeah. long may that continue. <laughs> Goes without saying. Leeds are obviously just a little bit better than Rovers, but not by much. Not by much, it must be said. Yeah. Don't forget, that was our biggest rival in Soul League while our noisy neighbours were languishing in the D second division of Rugby League, mm. pretty much where they belong. But yeah, uh, yeah and I, think, I think there'll be a few teams looking over the shoulder and saying, Thank God for Lee Centurions. Yeah, yeah, they got battered again at the weekend by Huddersfield. Yeah. Uh, it's not looking good for them. I think they knew the score though when they was coming up, and then you got to lose in the championship, winning every game by sixty, seventy points. So, yeah, I just yeah. I can't get my head around exactly. that one. It's to lose was the obvious choice for up. me. Yeah, they've they've got to come up. It's got to be end of this year. Has got to be. Um, it's got to be really transparent. One up, one down for me. Um, it has to be because Lee. You know, you can say they end the place and everything. They didn't. Really, and um, you can say also that they were kind of thrown a bit of a, a bit of a curveball because they were told that they were coming up and they didn't have much time to to recruit and stuff. But they haven't done a good job, and um, you know I think every team's got them with a big red mark across the calendar every time they're playing, thinking, "Well, it's a guaranteed two points." Yeah, absolutely. What's worrying on that that aspect? And you can go on an absolute crusade to the game's governing body, but. Don't forget Lee were brought into Soap League because apparently they had the most competitive squad and the best chance of actually yeah. staying up. Well, that bull. doesn't speak much for yeah. the Championship if that's the case. Yeah, and that's bull. Yeah. Because like you say, that Toulouse team, two two French teams in Soap League would be great. Can you imagine the Toulouse-Catalans derby? That'd go off, wouldn't it? It would be sensational. But what would that yeah. do to the French game as well? And obviously, you know, me and you both like yeah. the French game, so maybe a little bit of bias, bias here, but... Mm. They're a good Toulouse. Are, they're not just a new club either. Not just been thrown together. They're Asian. Oh, you know, they 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 go yeah. back years. They go back decades. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've only got to look at you know they got to the semi final of the Challenge Cup the year we won it two thousand and five. They played Leeds, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they ran Leeds bloody close as well. I think they, they were um, they were really close at half time, and Leeds ran away with it a bit at the end. Yeah. But it was a fairly close game. Yeah, there's there's potential there. Obviously, I hope that is the case, and it's one up one down at the end of the year. Um, yeah. It's, just, it's just a shame for your likes of uh, Leeds and your likes of Rovers who obviously came crashing back down to earth with a win at Wakefield. That's oh. obviously Wakefield's first win of the season. So yeah, there'll be a few teams thinking, yeah, thank Christ for Lee. But I saw the, the um, I saw the try that Arona scored for yeah. them, where um, Sean Kenny Dowell just threw the ball backwards, thinking he was throwing it to his own player, and then about twenty meters back, Arona was just getting up from the previous tackle. It just fell in his arms, and he went forty meters and scored. It was fantastic. Bobby Boucher's yeah. first game for the Mud Dogs in the Waterboy film, when he literally <laughs> throws the ball back and chases. This is the yeah. guy who gets the winning touchdown. Oh, That's Jesus. what it was. That's exactly what it was. It was like yeah. a flashback, isn't it? 
Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, dear. The, the, the gift that keeps on giving. All Kingston <laughs> and we play them in a couple of weeks as well, don't we? Yeah, I get so. these games against St. Helens out the way. I think it's a couple more. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. That comes around next month. Oh, I'll say next month. It's not June yet. It comes around in July, doesn't it? But yeah, bring that on. Absolutely bring that on. Mm. But yeah, I suppose after praising Hull's defence, and it was good, don't get me wrong, and a little bit of uh, devil's advocate now because we're defending so much and there's a reason why Hull had the volume of defence that they had to do last night and that's because the ball retention was horrendous. We were... I, 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 I might even get a little bit hypocritical here because I want to see more from Hull in attack, but it's in the right areas. And when Hull are throwing passes, you know, trying to offload out midfield or even in their own half and giving possession back to Leeds and then having to scramble and defend on our own line again, it's not a good recipe, you know... The wet weather conditions last night, Sunday night, were horrendous. I mean, it rained from yeah. what one minute one to minute eighty, and it got twice at stages. It got worse as the game went on. So, it should have been, you know, stick that ball under your jumper, complete your sets. You know, just play one up, Dross, because it don't matter. Sometimes it works, and you can grind games out. And I don't know. I just think a better side would have beaten Hull last night because the, and the defense was incredible. Don't get me wrong, but it was Leeds, and they were poor. Yeah. We can't afford to do that yeah. against the St. Helens, who we've got. You know, the next no, back-to-back weeks no, we in can't. Cup and League. And we need to score points. And we need to score more points. Simple as. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, only 18 points, three trials, none in the second half. Uh, yeah, I just... Wait, look at, looking at, the, look at the, the Super League table, right? Of the top eight teams, we've scored the least points. Rovers have scored more points than us. We've got a better defence, you know, and a better for and against, no problem. We've only scored 133 points in seven games. Lee have scored 88 They've only scored 42 points less than us. Yeah. 45 points less than us. You know? Um, we need to score more points. Simple as. Yeah. Definitely room for improvement in the attack. Uh, great. As I said, the defensive drum can't be banged enough because it's brilliant. But I don't know. I just don't want to rely on that all season. It's good to have it, don't get me wrong. It's And it, and it's there when it's needed. But we've got to be smarter with the ball. We've got to you know, play a bit more when we get down their end. But also, we've got to be smart in midfield, like I say, not throw these stupid passes out. And especially in yep. wet weather conditions where they didn't stick and we're putting ourselves under pressure again. And as I say, we got the win. We scrambled. We showed a lot of traits, which are obviously very admirable. But at the same time, I'm just thinking if we do that at St. Helens next week, we'll get beat. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, absolutely. And Saints are a different, a, a different kettle of fish, aren't they? Completely. Although, I mean, they've not been great. Has to be said, they've not been fantastic. Um, so you know, last couple of weeks they've they've kind of they've kind of lumbered around a little bit. They've, they've not looked like the St. Helens of old. Um, hopefully, you know, I mean, I mean, what do you want? Do you want to win both games? If you could choose one, would you prefer to to win the league game or would you prefer to win the cup game? You know, um, a lot of every day of the week, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Is it? Anyway, I don't know. Win the cup game, you're at Wembley. Yeah, true. But, you know, successive seasons, whole sides have, have won at Wembley and then gone. And look, I'll never, I'll never bemoan, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never give up a, a cup win because a cup win's great. But it's, a, it's about time we won the bloody league, <laughs> you know? I want to see us in the grand final. I, I, you know, the, 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 the Wembley's great, the Challenge Cup's lovely. I want to see us win the bloody competition. I want to see us win it. I really do. And, and you know, it'd be great if we won both games. But, um, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd dearly love us to see us win the league. I get where you're coming from, because 1983, since the last Rugby League Championship, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, is a, is a long time. You know, it's a long time for a club like Hull. You know, a masquerade as this, you know, a massive club, which we are, you know, off the field, we are huge. And our success hasn't replicated how big we are off the field, and it is about time, you know, that obviously that record changed. But, yeah, it... I don't think you can say no to a cup semi-final win over St. Helens and, and be at Wembley. And, and it's early in the season as well. And what I like about the Travers Cup final, it has been brought forward a month, so it's the end of July. You've still got yeah. a good six, seven, eight rounds after the cup before the playoffs. You'd like to think if whoever does win at Wembley, if they are still in contention for a playoff spot, which you imagine the four semi-finalists, South Hull, St. Helens, Cass and Wire, they're all going to be playoff teams. So you'd like to think they can calm down. Whoever wins that would have the... You know, the opportunity to calm down and, and go again for the playoffs. And we haven't we didn't see yeah. that at Hull, did we? We won the cup and us I do think we did rest on our laurels a little bit, especially in twenty sixteen where we should have kicked on and won the entire lot. But you know, that's that's done. That's in the past now, isn't it? We've got to move forward and I suppose again that's all about attitude and it's all about mentality. That yeah. under Brett Hodgson so far seems to bang on. I think we have ticked those boxes. 
Yeah, me too. Me too, mate. And, and you know, you're going into every game now thinking we're a chance here. We're a chance of winning this because it's built on defence. You know, and it's, it, you know, we're not one of those. I remember watching all early 2000s under um, uh, when we had, uh, just after all the Gateshead players had buggered off and we, we, we then signed, you know, your, your Tony Smiths, Jason Sh- Smith. Sean McRae era. Yeah, under Sean McRae and, and Tony Anderson. And, um, we almost we almost played like you know we we know we're going to let twenty in but we'll score thirty you know we had like Colin Best on the wing it was it was like a turnstile in defence but could score four tries as soon as look at you um, you know and we, we we were like one of them swashbuckling teams that you never knew what you were going to get week in week out a bit like a Castleford you know um, well Castleford of old anyway not the Castleford of recently where you you know you, you just we could score from deep. We could score from um, on the line. We were just one of them swashbuckling teams. Now the 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 issue that we've got now is that we're not. We're we're a team that grinds and a team that will absolutely push a a, a victory out of nothing. Um, and it's just it's great to see. Um, the issue we've got is scoring points, and we we need to get that organised and sorted quickly. You know, it doesn't feel like, you know, that that whole team that that smashed um, Leeds in the cup semi final, or you know, you know, one one of those where you look at it and you think we could easily go ahead with this and, and score forty points. I mean, even in, in the game last night, they were talking to the pundits at half time, and John Wells said, "I think I'll go and win this comfortably after that first half." Yeah. But we just didn't. We just didn't kick on, um, and that that is one thing I do worry about. Um, I don't think Reynolds and, and Smead have, have clicked together yet. And I don't think Reynolds, Smead and Connor have clicked as a, as a threesome yet. Um, I think they will. Um, and I think it is early days because, you know, we've had players out of position and players injured and, and all the rest of it. But if we can get that one, six and seven and, and arguably the nine clicking properly, well, then hopefully the points will come. But it is, it is a, a thing that worries me a little bit at the moment. No, I, I get it. And again, you can use the analogy you just used with St. Helens. So far this year, yeah. St. Helens have been tough. They've based, yeah. like Hull, they've based yeah. everything off their defence. But it's not the champagne, free-flowing attacking rugby league that we associate with a with the St. Helens side. But yeah. and with Hull, it's the same. You know, like you say, our first six minutes of that game at Henley was all Hull. You know, I think we got forty twenty yeah. off Max Needs built in the first set. Literally camped on Leeds line for five minutes after that, but didn't score. And then they went down yeah. our end and they actually got the first try. That was disappointing. And I must admit, yeah. at the time, I'm thinking, you know, given the wet weather conditions, it's going to be a game where not yeah. many points are scored. Obviously, it's going to be a game where less than 40 points were scored. And that was the case. And you just start thinking to yourself, oh, God, no, no, it's not going to be one of those days, is it? But luckily, Hull's defence, like we say, you can't bang that drum enough. I can talk about that all day. But we've got yeah. to strive to improve. And that's something Hodgson said ever since he's come in here he's never going to be content he just always wants to kick on and, and reach the next you know the next step on the ladder yeah. and we, there's we room to panic. do that that's the thing mate we didn't panic there was no panic in that team after we went 6-0 down no neither we wasn't. just went yeah. straight back straight back to our process straight back to our system great you know fantastic the, the issue becomes when we are chasing points and we're desperate late in the game and we might need to score yeah. two quick tries have we got something then? That's the question. I suppose we'll find that out when we when we get down that road. You know, when we are chasing yeah. the game and it's in the balance and we need a quick fire score. I mean, the quality's there. When we saw that with Jake Connor, I mean, the pass to Adam Swift for his first try was oh, that was outstanding, sublime, absolutely yeah. ridiculously good pass. You know, that's one of the best you'll see this year in, in any game. It was brilliant. The, yeah. the individual quality's not there. You know, Reynolds can turn a game on its head. So can Max Need, whether it be hand or boot. So it's not like yeah. the players are there. I don't want to make excuses for the attack, but it it does need to improve. We all know that. But what were you, seven Super League games in, nine in all comps? It's still... I mean, this is the coldest May the UK has had in, in years. In absolute yes. years. It's freezing. All it's done is rain. <laughs> just, like, just rain, 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 rain. It's been horrendous. I mean, amateur-wise, we returned on the 29th of March. Got the go-ahead from the... Obviously, the RFL to start training again. We had six weeks of training where it was gorgeous all the way through April. Just, you know, mild conditions, dry conditions... Started playing, all it's done is rain. You've got kids yeah. going out to play in the rain, you've got open age teams going out to play in the rain. It's ridiculous, obviously, it's the same in Soap League. I think we've had as many wet weather games as in the past month as we've probably had in the past two years. It's been it's been crazy. But, yeah, I don't, I don't want to make excuses. Obviously, it will get better, though. I think as the drier tr- tracks come in the summer, 
And as I say, as Reynolds and Sneed and Connor, as they get more playing time as a threesome, then you'd like to think that we'll, we'll see some improvements. Uh, but yeah, we've got to start scoring some more points in games. That's 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 a given. And it'd just be nice to see that attack look a little bit more crisp. I think it's all about execution. But there are signs. I mean, like you say, we scored some good tries even in the games where we haven't fired as an attacking force. But I'd like to think that will improve. I mean, we saw, I mean, the first two games of the year when we beat Huddersfield and Salford, I mean, the Salford attacking performance was brilliant. And I see, I don't buy the Salford are a good are a good side. They've they've got values installed into their club. They are a dogged outfit. They never throw the towel in. I know they're not yeah. not going to be the force that were under Ian Watson when they made a, obviously a Super League Grand Final, or Challenge Cup Final last year. But they're no mugs, and to smash yeah. them like we did was an achievement. And it showed that you know when we actually get the players on the park and they you know they get the opportunities they will score points and i'd like to think that will be the case as the year goes on but there's yeah. nothing wrong with saying that we need improvement because we do i mean they, they should have probably beaten Wigan at the weekend yeah really agreed should. agreed yeah yeah and arguably could have as well i mean yeah 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 obviously yeah, not, not many people would have had them pushing Wigan to literally a jackson hastings field goal to win the game with what 90 seconds to go or whatever it was so yeah. Yeah, you know, fair play to them, and they, like you say, they're no mugs, and that's the thing with so playing right now. We've got, I mean, results coming across the league. That I mean, Uddersfield absolutely battering Warrington the week before. Mm. Obviously, this one, who saw that coming? Well, if the up the Korean yeah. Tipping League's anything to go by, not many people. <laughs> Nobody, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Certainly not me. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, so playing. That, that's that's the sign of a good competition as well when you've got obviously. The unpredictable, and I like that. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people tip Castleford this week, but Warrington ended up battering, battering them. So, Rovers yeah. again going to Castleford and winning, and then going to Wakefield and losing when many people tip Rovers to win. So the competition is a bit, yeah. you know, a bit crazy, and it will be. Well, obviously, we will see results that go by the wayside, and obviously go against the unexpected. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see see and watch all evolve this summer, and watch them get better with the ball as the season yeah. goes on. Yeah, when it gets warmer, <clears throat> then it becomes a more ball handling um, ball handling conditions. That's when you're going to see Reynolds and, and Connor especially really thrive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And as far as individuals go, then in the Leeds game, my pick was Liggy Sal. I thought he was sensational. Yeah. And while Lessie have obviously losing these tropes in Scott Taylor, Josh Bowden, Massimo Tonga, you know him and his best mate Chris Satter, they've had to stand up. And Satter was great again. Don't get me wrong, the minutes and the Matt of workload he did was incredible, but for me, Sal yep. was phenomenal. Yep, Sal and um, and Satai, I thought were were great. I thought Danny Houghton was very very good um, in defence, and and he did as much as he could in attack. I mean that one break um, should have resulted in Luke, Luke Gill sending ten minutes in the sin bin, and and we probably should have scored from that. Um, but you know he was, he, he, I thought he was really good as well. I thought, um, like you said, um, uh, Fash was was great off the off the bench. Um, I thought um, Reynolds and, and Sneed were quiet, but it wasn't a half-backs game. I thought Swift made some good um, good yards from um, from out of his own uh, half. Griffin again completely stood um, Conrad Harrell and made him look like a complete idiot. I thought Carlos carried well. Um, I thought Mahe carried well. I thought you know one to seventeen, mate. We were strong, but you're right. That game was won in the forwards, hundred percent. Yeah, especially with the effort to defend. But yeah, really, really, really pleasing as well when you say we haven't actually got the numbers there in the middles, but they still, you know, turn out that that sort of effort and that sort of workload. It's really, really yeah. good to see. And like you say, you can't really play that down enough. Uh, Sal and Satai both under contract as well. They both expire at the end of this year. We don't yeah. obviously we don't know the talks that have gone out in house, but if we let any of them go, god. then oh god, one yeah. shudders at the thought. Yeah, unless we've got something really spectacular lined up to replace, you know, you'd, you'd think that that we'd be beating the path to both of their agents' doors and getting them signed up now. I mean, they came more or less as a package deal. Their best mates. Yeah. You know, you've got to keep them together. Got to keep them together. They're still in the twenties as well, aren't they? I think they're both. I think actually, my age. Yeah. They were both born in ninety two. Yeah. So what's that? Twenty nine. Yeah, no, we need so, to need to keep them together absolutely absolutely um yeah so for me it was it was incredible but i'm glad you mentioned brad fash because he's been immense this year he really has coming on yeah, as a as a really third is. or fourth uh prop with the 
Ryan Pappenhausen hairdo. I love it. And it just never takes a backward step. And what I love about Fash, he's ever free. You know, he never drops the ball. In. Count on one hand the amount of tackles he's missed in his career, never mind this season alone. He's he's just solid. He's dependable. And that's what I like about him. He's, he's not a prima donna on a huge contract with a massive ego. He just gets on with his job. And, and you need those blokes in your squad. And obviously, he's approaching a uh, 100 Hull FC appearances right now. He's in the nine season. You know, he's worth it. He's coming to this team. He's evolved. We said at the start of this year when we first started doing this podcast that we wanted to see Fash and Matongo go up, you know, to that next level because they're 25 now. They're yeah. not kids. And Fash, I know Matongo's yeah. injured, but Fash is doing that and he's ticked the box. He's been bob on the money this year. Re- really, really, really impressed me. Yeah, Fash and Len, you know, and Cater, they're, they're the three that we that really needed to take another another step and they really have. Um, you know, it wasn't really, again, wasn't really a game for Cater on, uh, on the weekend. But um, you know he, he was he was again solid. Um, John Lane was again solid. But yeah, Fash has really impressed me. Um, he's just he, like I say, every team needs one of those. Every team needs a couple of those. A couple of those dogged, just metering, hit hard in the tackle workhorses. You know he's never going to score. He's never going to score fifty yard tries. He's never going to. He's never going to do anything spectacular. But he's never going to let you down either. You need that. No, absolutely. Uh... Yeah, fair play to him. He's really, like you say, coming to the side this year and he's not looked back. And, and the same with Jordan Lane and Joe Cater. I mean, it winds me up when people sig- signal out players like Super League, Young Player of the Year and what have you. And, and it's always like a Morgan Smithies or an Oliver Partinson or Morgan Knowles at St. Ellen's. Jordan Lane and Joe Cater are, are ridiculous. They are as good as anything at, at their age in Super League right now. Mm, mm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And... Interestingly, just to finish off on the on the actual Leeds game, imagine if that was Jake Connor. I'll we'll throw this point out there, and this is a sort of uh, point we made about reputations a few weeks back. But if Jake Connor's the one who pulls Josh Reynolds back, and if Jake Connor's the one who instigates the yep. coming together on the floor when Luke Gale had verbals at Andre Sevilla, yep. you're looking at a totally, totally different outcome. Um, I don't want to go down referee bashing because Marcus Griffiths, that must have been a horrible game to referee. I mean, we know how oh, tough it is. Yeah, We've both what a done baptism it. of fire for him. Yeah. Absolutely. But. Yeah, you talk about reputations. No one's telling me that Connor would have stayed on the pitch if that was him. Totally not. Totally not, mate. And, and you know, didn't Griffin get sent a sin bin for ruffling someone's hair a couple of years back? <laughs> exactly. Do you know? And then you've got a player on the floor who, for all Gale knows, could be injured, and Gale goes up and slaps him on the head, and that's what caused the that's what caused the fight. I mean, the other thing that caused the fight was just the pure, um, you know, embarrassment of of. of um, Briscoe bombing a perfectly obvious try. Um, the, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you get players thrown into advertising hoardings. He completely lost control, did that that ref. Completely lost control. Um, and the reason he lost control is because he allowed it to, to carry on. You know, you, you set a line in the sand when, you know, you've got a player who who really obviously commits a professional foul like Luke Gill did in the first half. You send him off for 10 minutes. He doesn't do that in the second half because he's been chastened and he's, he's watching his back. He acts completely differently in the second half. It was his failure to act in the first half that caused that in the second half. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. But you know, I'm sure when we get onto the NRL we can talk about we can talk about the refereeing in the in the Roosters Broncos game. Which was unbelievable. Well, but uh yeah. Let's go now, because that's a perfect perfect place to start because anyone anyone in West anyone in West Hull or the wider Hull FC you know, world would have been watching that Roosters Brisbane game with a big smile on their face because Albert Kelly came in, made his Brisbane debut, and he went really well. Do you know? I mean, let, let's let's just talk about this, um, like from from the start to the finish, right? When he was named in the squad this week, all the press was, "What? Albert Kelly hasn't played in the NRL for seven years. Two thousand and fourteen was the last time we saw him in a Titans jersey, right? So that was the first press. Right. Then it was, ah." Uh, you know, he he was put on a special diet when he came back because he he came back from England overweight. Then there was a little bit of oh, you know, he tore it up a little bit in England. You know, he he won at Wembley, and you know, oh, it's a different game over there. Then people were talking about the fact that he had to wear that bloody great big thing on his head because his ear had been ripped off the week before, uh, two weeks before. But then it switched. It all switched when Suwali was named for the Roosters. Then it became all about the Roosters. And from that moment when they named Suwali 
who's a 17 year old you know that's bad all of these raps on him and saying that he's the best thing since sliced bread and he's gonna be he's the new sonny bill williams and all this kind of stuff the second they named suali everything changed and he went right under the radar did kelly it all became about suali nothing became about kelly so therefore even all the, the pre-match build-up on Fox, everything was Suwali this, Suwali that. Oh, look at him. Look at the way he holds himself. Look at the way he is in this interview. Isn't it fantastic? His mum and dad are here. Blah, 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 blah. And it was only when the actual on-game call started, and thank God it was um, it was Vossi, uh, Andrew Voss, that was the commentator, because he knows a little bit about English rugby league. Yeah. And he mentioned the fact that Kelly had... You know, I had a couple of years at Rovers and a couple of years with us and that he'd really torn it up over there. That Then it became more about an, an equal, you know, equal press kind of thing. And then, you know, the first touch of the ball, he kicks it out on the full. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, God, no, that's it. You know, he's, he's, his head's going to go down. But boy, did he step up. Man, he was electric. He had a hand in everything. It was like watching the Kelly, you know, that first four or five matches he played for us when he just exploded out the blocks that first year he played for us, mate. Honestly, yeah. that's what it looked like. 2017 Albert Kelly. It was, it was dynamite. Dynamite. And, you know, three three Dally M points. He got the three Dally M points against the team who, you know, have got a Tedesco, you know, a Suwali, Joseph Manu, a Daniel Tupu, you know, um, Sam Walker who's been knocking it out of the park. You know, Crichton, Radley, Warrior Hargreaves, massive names. I mean, he made them all look pedestrian. It was great. Is that testament to Super League then? I mean, Super League gets written off as second best to the NRL, probably rightly so, but it's not just a retirement home, as some Aussies label it. I mean, how many Aussies come over to the Super League and they leave with a tail between, you know, tail between legs because they've been hopeless? It, and... it's, it's more testament to Albert Kelly, mate, because he's always had this. He's, he's always had this ability. But, you know, he got... You know, apart from the Titans, he's been sacked from every club he played at. Apart from the Titans and Hull. I mean, you can say Rovers released him, sacked him, you know, he stopped turning up to training or whatever, he fell out with the club. Um, you know, he was at Parramatta, sacked. He was at Cronulla, sacked. He was at Newcastle for two matches, or, or two weeks, I think, of pre-season training, sacked. He rocked up at the Gold Coast. He was in the last chance hotel, really was. You know, and he, he had three or four years at the Gold Coast, then went to Rovers, left Rovers under a cloud, came to us, did great things for two or three years, and then he's gone back over there, really, just to earn himself a contract. I thought he'd rock up at the West Tigers, you know, or somewhere like that, or even back at the Titans. No way did I think he'd end up at the, the Broncos on a pay-as-you-play contract. And, mate, he's just, he's grabbed it with both hands. He's realised he's got to knuckle down. He's realised he's had to bide his time and he's played in the, the reserves. Absolutely fantastic. Good on him. And a real testament to the bloke he is. Absolutely. The real Albert Kelly, not the myth yeah. that we had at Rovers. Interestingly, <laughs> I think it was on NRL 360 earlier in the week, they were talking about Albert Kelly and uh, they actually called him the Colonel at Brisbane in in relation to the McDonald's incident while he was a whole FC player and I just best start laughing when I heard that <laughs> thought it was brilliant. So Albert Kelly, a.k.a. the Colonel. <laughs> the Colonel. Uh, well, I mean, we look at, we look at the, um, the um, refereeing in that game. Now, the referee was a guy called Peter Goff. Right, I've never heard of him. It's one of his first first grade games, um, and you didn't really have you, you didn't really have the the authority to kind of stamp on that game. But you look at it, you know, the judiciary this week. You got Crichton um, will probably get a ban for dangerous contact. Victor Radley was put on report four times, four times, the same bloke. Um, you know, dangerous contact, high tackle, crusher tackle. He's he's going to spend a lot of time on the on the. Um, on the sidelines and then you know joseph manu high tackle as well and then three three contrary conduct and high tackle for the for the broncos as well i mean the game wasn't that dirty but with this this crackdown that they're having everything's getting put on report and players getting sin bin for stuff it wasn't a pretty watch but wow if you're a broncos supporter you're looking at it and you're going keep milford in bloody reserve grade let's keep kelly in there yeah I mean, there's no way they're going to drop him for anyone in the next two or three matches now, just in case he, he comes and, and does that again. Yeah, but you're right. We had the big rant on this last week, didn't we? And the way the NRL's gone now is just too far. I mean, Victor Radley's... I think players are honest. They know when they've... Most players are yeah. honest anyway. They, they'll put the round up when they've caught someone high or they've you know, done something yeah. that borders the game's you know, legalities. But the look on Radley's face when he got his first sin bin in particular... I mean, the second one was... 
mean, arguably borderline, but really, 10 minutes for a shot, which was, what, chest at worst? I, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. And we've just gone way too far with that now, saying, oh, just yeah. because there's a little bit of contact yeah. with the head, oh, you're in the bin. Not every contact yeah. with the head is dangerous. Sometimes a player puts no. you in that position himself. Totally. And the thing with crusher tackles as well is I reckon 50% of them are player getting in a bad position. It's not the, it's not the tackler's fault. I agree. I agree 100%. It's not that, the tackler's yeah. fault, yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. Some of it is, some of it isn't. Mind you, I mean, you look at you look at this week's, this week's matches coming up, which is, what, round 12, I think, in the NRL. Yeah. You know, Thursday night game, Broncos and Storm. So they come off the back of a win like that, then they've got to play the Storm, <laughs> you know, who are, who are likely to absolutely take it to the cleaners. So, you know, this is this is a real test of Albert Kelly's metal because he's got to back that up against one of the best teams in the world now. Yeah. Good, great to see him, though, yeah. you know, watching that on Saturday. As, yeah. As a whole SC fan and seeing him actually play that well. Yeah, really good. No, I'm I'm not a betting man, right? I'm I'm not at all. Um, <clears throat> a lot of my mates have got sports bet accounts and, and all that kind of stuff. The online betting, but the betting for the Panthers and the Bulldogs, right? <laughs> the the Panthers are a dollar and one cent to win. So if you if you back it, you know you put ten ten bucks on it, you get ten dollars and ten cents back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Bulldogs are nineteen dollars, so eighteen to one yeah. in a two in a two team game. Yeah, it says a lot. Top against bottom, yeah. It could be a cricket spray. could end up... I mean, oh, yeah. the Panthers against Rabbitohs, gee, if you want to watch a pure game of rugby league, oh, yeah. that was an absolute pleasure to watch from minute one to 80. They were incredible. Nathan Cleary right yeah. now is the best player on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Just agreed. unbelievable. Much as it pains me to say it, agreed, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what... I look at Nathan Clear and I look at the player also he was two or three years ago when he was sort of like under James Maloney's wing. I must say he's had two cracking mm. games back back to back in Super League now, beating yes, up yeah. beating yeah, Hull yeah, and then yeah. St. Helens. You know, he really stood yeah. up against Saints. I thought he was brilliant. But mm. yeah. The point there is did the actual evolve to see him evolve and go up those you know, go through those stages as I say, someone under the wing of Maloney to then leading that Panthers team to having a you know, torrid year in twenty nineteen with the Panthers finishing what, tenth, eleventh, whatever it was, to now being the best yeah, yeah. team in the NRL yeah. by a, by right now by a, a little you know, a big distance is is incredible. And he, he's still only twenty three years old. It's nuts. He's the best player yeah, on the planet. He's twenty three and he's get he's just getting better and better. And yeah, that's the scary thing. It, totally, and it's it's the way that he's leading that team around the pack, and and you know he's, he's leading a really experienced forward pack because they're a young team, they're a very very young team, but it's the way he's leading the backs for me. You know, you got Charlie Staines on one wing and Toto on the other wing, right? So you got a wrecking ball and a thoroughbred racehorse. Yeah. You're basically the, the two of them, but you know you've you've got players have left the club or players have have gone. Um, you know, like Josh uh, Josh Mansour, you know, who's, who's now playing for the Bunnies. You know, he was. He was at the Panthers last year, year before. They haven't missed him at all, at all. You know, they've just they've, they've just got other players to come into the same positions and, and just better. Matt Burton, who's going to the Bulldogs next year, he must be kicking himself he ever signed that contract. <laughs> he really must. But then, you know, they've got Momorowski, who was at the Tigers, um, and has slotted into that Panthers team like, like you wouldn't believe. You know, and then you've got you know Eisenhuth coming off coming off the coming off the bench, or Scott Sorensen who, who came off the bench this week. You know, who was a LFC target last year, Scott Sorensen, yeah, ex Cronulla tag, ex Cronulla player. They 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 look like well beaters because they're playing under they're playing under a halfback who's absolutely mercurial. I mean, he's just he's untouchable at the moment, and I hate to say it because I don't like him as a bloke and I don't like his dad, but they're they are. A class apart at the moment. I mean, you know, one game lost in twelve months, and that was the grand final. That's it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's oh, it's twenty-eight out of twenty-nine games now that they've won seventeen yeah. in a row last year on route to the grand final. That they've won the first eleven games this year. So yeah. beat the Bulldogs. It's twenty-nine wins out of the last thirty games, which is <laughs> that's Harlem Globetrotters stuff. That's so, <laughs> and when you look at the games they've got coming up, you look at the games they've got coming up. They've got Bulldogs this week. Um, and then I think um, who is it after that? Oh, the, the Tigers the week after that, which that'll be a cricket score. And then Sharks the week after that. I mean, so you can you can probably pencil in the next three. Yeah. Does get tough yeah, after that though. I know they've got Parramatta yeah. a couple of times. Got Storm again, uh, Roosters. So it will get Roosters, will get tougher. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's phenomenal what they've done. And and again, it's all. 
I know you've mentioned some imports, sort of obviously, sorry, not imports, federation trained players that they've brought into the club. Yeah. But it's all based on what they've bought through for the junior systems and Penrith, obviously the biggest junior league in the world, which helps, but they've invested yeah. that time and that effort. And like you'll say, like Phil Gould says, it's not sexy, but it brings through results if you if you have that perseverance yeah. to see it through. And the well, point I'm getting at... They all laughed at him. Exactly. They all laughed they all at him. Laughed five-year at him. plan, yeah. yeah. They all laughed at him, yeah. exactly. But yeah. And he might have taken six years or seven years, but he's got there. Exactly. And they all look at him, they're unstoppable. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned that, and the reason I will always continue to highlight it, because it's what Hull FC are trying to do now. And yes. they, they announced it all a couple of months back now with the Centre of Excellences across the UK game, trying to bring through... You know the the best of the UK talent into into a Hull FC system. You know embed them into that Hull FC system, and and that's what we want to see. And we're not. It's not going to be an overnight success. It's going to take years and years and years. But once you get it right, yeah. you've got your nucleus of your squad there. I mean, your blog about it for the cream issue in '98 was was absolutely bob on the money. Couldn't have explained it any better. And and it was good to see the whole academy. The stuff Bradford, who have brought brought through some players. You know, I think Elliot Whitehead, the Burgesses, uh, Jake Truman at Cass right now. I mean, we've even got one in Cam Scott. So. You know, to yeah. actually batter them forty four eight, Joe Ferreira getting a hat trick of tries, you know, that's a sign in the right direction that maybe some of those things are coming together. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And you know, getting um, awarded the um, the academy thing as well, which I know has been contentious, but you know, we're we're one of the haves, not one of the have nots there. So, um, you know, we just you know, we've got to take it, I think, as a win that we've been awarded that that status. I mean, obviously it's a disgrace that some Heartland clubs you know, your Bradford system that four Burgess brothers came through, yeah. don't get one. You know, Cast don't get one. Rovers don't get one. You know, Rovers Rovers Academy, who, you know, Joe Cater came through. Yeah. Scott Taylor came through. Yeah, he did, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, much as I want to see them die a slow and painful death in a vat of acid, you know, you, you've got to say that, you know, it's probably having, having that... Um, hatred and that competition in the city has what is what spared both of us on over the years um and i, I don't as much as it, it's fantastic to say that they didn't get it and we did i don't think it's good for the game in in general i agree 100 percent agree with that i think it is disgusting it's just the latest episode from the governing body which seems to have a comp- competition with itself to see what ludicrous suggestion they can come up with next i mean they have oh, not totally. not covered themselves in glory over the past well two to three weeks now it's been one disaster to the next but I just look at Rovers and I look at Hull and obviously the amateur game in Hull now is run, well, supposed to be run by Hull and Rovers, but I know for a fact that that is literally 90% Hull and 10% Rovers. You get out what you put in. Hull have really embraced that and, you know, really took it under their wing and delivered on the promises that they said they would, where Rovers have just watched Hull, just sat back and watched, you know, and then they don't get the status. I'm sort of thinking, is there a little bit of karma there? But, it's still disgusting, don't get me wrong. It's the, Everyone yeah. should be awarded a first-class academy so they can bring full players into Super League and yeah. just yeah. diluting everyone the, just diluting the, the every, Everyone I've spoken to about this as well has, has said that John Bastian at Rovers is one of the great youth coaches. Mm. You know, he's, he's supposed to be, like, par excellence, one of the best youth coaches in the, in the league. He really is. And, you know, maybe it's just that he hasn't got the facility around him or maybe... Whoever was doing the the application screwed the application up because that's not beyond Rovers. It really isn't beyond Rovers that screwing an application up. I mean, I saw. Do you ever see that that um, it was a fantastic documentary called Blood on the Carpet, which was about um, they showed you about when Hull and Rovers were both absolutely screwed and, and Rovers was up for sale and Hull was up for sale and it was when Tim Wilby took over and, and Lloyd and all the rest of them. And they'd originally tried to buy Rovers. Yeah. And they'd given up on buying Rovers just because of how absolutely inept they were. <laughs> and, and the fact that they bungled every single uh, every single um, part of the of the negotiation process. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me if Rovers have screwed it up. It really doesn't. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't be about the quality of your paperwork. It should be about trying to bring kids through the bloody, you know, through the league. Absolutely. And how the hell are we ever going to beat the Aussies if we're restricting the number of kids in the league? I don't get it. No, I I I see where you're coming from with diluting the the then obviously those numbers and those opportunities yeah. to young you know young kids to come through into an academy system and make it to first grade and that can never be never be a good thing. Um, no. it's not surprising though. Like I can see the RFL with the way they handled the Andrea Savellio stuff, the way they handled their match review panel right now, which is beyond the joke. Um, 
this now with the academy stuff i mean there's also proposals to bring in a membership fee for every community player coach and volunteer so you have to pay to volunteer at a community club next year that's the proposal that they want to bring in which is you know on top of what everyone already pays i mean look at some of the lads i know at cock tigers my, my community club and we've got a parent who also coaches and has got two lads playing so that's an extra 75 quid what if all right let's just say his missus helps out in the canteen as well so that's an extra 100 quid on top of the kit you know subs that they already pay belts that they have to replace every year because obviously these are growing kids and obviously outgrow the you know the stuff every year and they might want another 100 quid on top of that it's just yeah. it just shows how out of touch they are with everything right yeah. now and absolutely yeah it's not good mate it really isn't but again doesn't surprise me. What did you say when the Sevilla stuff came out about your confidence in the RFL? It's non-existent. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah, nothing. You know, it's the, the it's the free pizza thing again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah. It's the RFL. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing changes, unfortunately, with yeah. them. And yeah. it's about time. Maybe something did, and that comes right from the top, but. Yeah, moving on, there was some sad news at LFC um, last week with Tommy Finn passing away at the age of 87. Obviously, a 1956-1958 championship winning halfback with full FC. 375 appearances for the club, 132 tries. That places him 10th from Hull's all-time charts. You know, made his debut in 1954, 4th of December at Jewelsbury. Played until 1965 and was replaced by Chris Davidson, another legend of the club, so... Yeah, some yeah. sad news there, and may he rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's um, from the era that my dad was first watching Hull um, FC, and, and he'd always talk about Tommy Finn being a fantastic halfback. So, yeah, um, what can you say? Um, yeah, a very, very sad thing. Very sad thing. Absolutely. Obviously played in the great 50s team with Johnny Whiteley, as, with Roy Francis as well as, as head coach in an era... That doesn't get talked about as much as the 80s era. I think that's because we are, obviously, the generation now remembers the 80s more than the 50s. But, yeah, Roy Francis built that team from scratch without the financial backing. I don't want to dilute what Arthur Bunting did, but he was bankrolled Mm. by Roy Wardby. Uh, Roy Mm. Francis never had that luxury, and he built that team, literally a bunch of old-born lads, you know. From scratch, yeah. yeah, literally from scratch. So... Mm. Could never be, you know, played down that achievement. Obviously, Tommy Finn, we yeah, a huge part of that, and yeah, sad to see the Neil was only passed away. Halfback, halfback in in back to back Challenge Cup finals, you know, fifty eight, fifty nine, and fifty nine, sixty as yeah. well. So, um, you know, he's, he was a, a scheming, really good halfback. You know, we got him from Saints, I think. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, yeah, he's um, he only played half a dozen, you know, half a dozen games or whatever for Saints, but you know. 370 odd for us, and uh, yeah, bless him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so all the news, interestingly, Nico Mealy has <laughs> been offered to Super League <laughs> clubs, the obviously son of the ogre, Marco Mealy, who had yes. four great seasons yeah. with all. So, if he's a son of an ogre, do we call him Shrek? <laughs> Shrek Jr.? Shrek Jr., yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, he's never really troubled first grade over here, um, so I, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know. Uh, if we if we get him, he'll be a project. He won't be a um, he won't be a first grader straight away. I think he'll be in that same kind of mould that we got, you know, a Sam Mower in or, or someone like that. But look how Sam Mower turned out. I mean, yeah, exactly. you have no idea. But um, yeah, Nico Mealy is not um, he's not troubled first grade over here yet. Uh, if he's anything like his dad, though. Well, different position for a start, and he's an outside back. I remember him playing for yeah. Hull FC's academy when his dad was over here, so actually he doesn't qualify as a quarter player, but yes, it, it's, just, it's literally just the Hull FC connection with his dad, the reason that I've mentioned it, because outside yeah. backs is not something Hull FC need right now. We've got Carlos Tumavavi and Josh Griffin, they're two of the best centres in the game, and Griffin, well, if you believe the local rag, he's apparently all signed and sealed, he'll be at Hull FC for the next couple of years. Carlos has already signed up, you've got... Maya Fanu has already signed up. Uh, Adam Swift is obviously one that I think will be renewed. I think that goes without saying now. I'd be very surprised yeah. if he leaves. You know, we've obviously got this Fijian kid. There's Cam Scott still on the books. So, yeah, outside backs is not something we need. It's, it's a couple of big forwards, and it's something we've been banging the drum for about two years now. Probably even mm-hmm. three years since Liam Watts left. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've been at least a prop shot two, three years. 
um, and probably two prop shot at some points as well. I mean, we we do need the, the thing is right. I mean, if if Farimo leaves, um, which I think is looking likely now, uh, yeah. I think leaving him on the bench for this game, you know, I mean, not being the, the squad for the last three games, I think um, it's fairly obvious to me that that Hodgson prefers Swift as an option to to Farima. and I think a lot of that is because Farima's got that. He's got in getting that reputation that he, he's likely to get Simbin sent off, drop a ball, you know. And, and I like Farima, and, I, and we've both said, you know, he's, he, he's he's a really good, solid player, and he's you know he was on a hiding to nothing replacing uh, Mahir Fanua um, because he's exactly the same player basically. But if, if having two of them, I think is a is a luxury, um, and if you're going to get rid of one of them. Well, you have to get rid of Farima because Fanua is under contract. So, if Farima does go, and you're probably going to cast because obviously Bradford's a big a big fan. Well, then we need to be replacing him with a forward um, because he'll come off quota, and we'll need a we'll need a quota space. But we, you know, you got to look at forwards that are off that are off um, uh, off contract at the end of this year. And and really, the pick of them for me is um, is Martin Tapau. At, uh, at Manly, and I've been saying this for years that I would love to see him in a whole shirt. I really, really, really would. And, and if we can get someone like Marty Tapau, someone that's going to be big and rough and, and skittle players with a bit of an offload and stuff, it's what we need. You know, you you, you imagine you know a starting four of of um, you know two on two on the bench and two starting of Sal Sate, Martin Tapau, and, and Scott Taylor. That that's a that's a hell of a four in the pack. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of going back to the, the forward supremacy that we had in the 2005 when you had those four of Dowles, Zachary, Carvel. And we just, we just need someone that's going to be a bit of an enforcer. Yeah. You know? Someone that's got a bit of devil in them, someone that's going to be able to put it about a bit, someone that, that can offload, someone that can really push through. You know, like like a Jared Warrior, a Jared Warrior Hargraves, you know? Yeah. Someone like that. Yeah. Um, someone that's. that's that really puts themselves about. That's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the missing piece of the puzzle right now. And it really well, is. If yeah. can sort out for next year, then yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. To finish then our whole FC NRL connections, we're actually going back to a modern day club now after doing the Western Suburbs and Balmain Tigers. And those two obviously merged together to form your mob, the West Tigers. Yeah, so it's been been quite a good one this one because obviously our coach was is a legend of the club um, and was the fullback in um, in the two thousand and five grand final um, and uh, and also you know played a bit for Parramatta as well did Brett Hodgson but um, basically known for being a West Tigers player. Obviously recently Josh Reynolds um, was we signed him from the Tigers as we did Mahir Fanua and working backwards through the years, Jordan Rankin. Obviously, when he left Hull, went to the Tigers. Yeah. Jacob Miller, that we got from the Tigers. Now, Jacob Miller and Jordan Rankin were the number six and number seven for the Australian schoolboys. They played together for years as schoolboys. And when we signed Jacob Miller, it was really, I think it was Radford's attempt to try and reunite Miller and Rankin. It never quite worked, did it? Um, and I like Jacob Miller, and I think he was tre- pretty badly at Hull, actually. I think he could have been given a bit more time, Jacob Miller. I mean... You know, we probably wouldn't have won at Wembley because we wouldn't have had Snead. But uh, you know, I, I do. I have got a bit of a soft spot for Jacob Miller. Blossomed into a fan um, player at Anfield. Yeah, but he's, he's he's a you know, again, he's 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 probably the best player in their squad most of the time. You know, um, the big one obviously is Gareth Ellis, um, who you know was probably the last English player to really tear it up over here. Um, you know, in that era of. You know the Adrian Morleys and the and the um, James Grahams and the and the Burgesses and everything. Gareth Ellis still stood out amongst those. Um, he was fantastic for the West Tigers, and he was playing in a team that was you know, real contenders as well. Um, back end of the two thousand and noughts and, uh, and and two thousand and ten. 11, 12, he was playing in a team there that really should have won more than they did um, and got through to the, the semi-finals a couple of times. And, and I know, after, after speaking to Ellis, I said this last week or week before, it's, his, it's one of his real regrets in his career that that Tigers team didn't go on and win something because they were very capable of it. Um, other than that, here's a couple of names to uh, to conjure with. Wade McKinnon and Shannon McDonnell. Ah. 
you know what? Wade McKinnon played, what was it, six, seven games he played for us. But I remember the, he, he was outstanding in, in the time I did yeah. have at the FC. There was a game at St. Helens for first trip to Langtree Park. We won it 22-10, 22-12, yeah. something like that. He scored two tries and he was absolutely outstanding. It was, wasn't it just a, a simple case of he was homesick and he couldn't settle? Yeah, then I think he went travelling, didn't he? Yeah, it, just, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Because yeah. he signed in a big blaze of glory and then just went out with a whimper, didn't he? Yeah, it was a shame because, yeah, it was for the games he played for all, he was outstanding and just a shame the way, it, the way it happened. I think we ended up playing that season with about four different fullbacks because we signed Matty Russell on though, and then we signed Ryan McGoldrick. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Ryan McGoldrick, Jesus. That was the same year we had Sam Obst. That halfback, wasn't it? <laughs> um, uh, yes, yeah, so Shannon McDonald as well. Um, obviously, uh, came from Rovers, yep. did McDonald, and then uh, and then went to Saints, I think, didn't he? Didn't he yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a spell at St. Helens, yeah. 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 Um, obviously, Benny Galea, another one who did the Rovers route and then and then signed for us for a season and that. Um, Matthew Head as well. Probably more known as a, as a St. George player. But uh, when he left Hull, he did come and have a, a, a brief spell at the West Tigers. And another one who, you know, um, could really have been every, anything, but he, he you know, just suffered with injury a little bit, did Matt Head. He could have been an all-time great, very, very skillful halfback. It still blows um, my mind why we didn't keep him. Yeah, I know. At the end of 2007, why, why wasn't he kept on? I suppose that just speaks of the James Rowe, Calf Everton connection there. But he should have been kept on. And in the end, we ended up getting Adam Dykes, who... You know, he was injured more times than he played. Yes, yeah, he was, yeah. Adam Dykes, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you, you got to look at Matt Head as well. His knees had kind of gone. Um, by the time he went to England, he was he was a spent force. But he, he's still, even with crook knees and, and slowing down a little bit, he was still had that speed of thought. And he was still two spaces ahead of everyone else on the board. You know, yeah. he was a, a bit, you know, not quite a Peter Sterling, but he, he still had that speed between his ears where he could actually pick out a player and, and he, he knew what he was doing. Um, a very good organising halfback and, and a shame that it didn't work out for him. And the other name as well that we should mention is Willie Manu, um, who had a couple of games for the West Tigers. And when we signed him, became part of the Tongan Mafia. And... Uh, and was an absolute wrecking ball for us. One of the best overseas signings I think we've made in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, William Manor was excellent. He had the finesse, like a finesse back rower. He offloads, yeah. obviously, the passing. He had a bit of pace with him too. I remember a try at Wakefield yeah. where he ran about 70 metres to score. Yeah, great, great player. Obviously, went to Saints as well, didn't he? Won a comp. Yeah, another one went to Saints. Yeah, but it was a classic of of being a, a centre that that um, put a bit of weight on and ended up in the second row because he <laughs> played like a centre when he was in the second row. Yeah, you know, he, he was. He could quite easily have, have have played at three or four. I mean, you'd say that he was probably twenty kilos lighter than Conrad Hurrell, wouldn't you? Yeah. And yet, Willie Manu spent you know eighty minutes in the pack, week in week out, taking hard hit ups up and and still managing to hit a good line and hit a hole in a defence and, and the amount of tries we he scored for Hull was amazing but the amount of tries we scored off his breaks was the more amazing thing for me yeah that that left edge back then when it was Willie Manu Prime Kirk Eamon and Prime Tom Briscoe it took some stopping yeah 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 absolutely we, we were deadly down that edge weren't we deadly yeah absolutely uh, yeah not a bad little list that for West Tigers no. players considering they've only been going what 21 years yeah, exactly. It was an easy one to do. <laughs> Another easy one to do. <laughs> See, I was looking at it the other day and I thought, right, well, we, we can do Panthers, we can do Eels, you know, but I thought, yeah, if we do Eels, we only have to go back to 1960-something because they've only been in existence since then. But it's when we have to do someone like uh, the, the Roosters or the Dragons or Souths or whatever, I'm like, oh, bloody hell, I've got to go right back to 1908. <laughs> uh, back when the game was invented, apparently. Yeah, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I think that's why a lot of English blokes like Andrew Voss, like you say, because he actually recognises that the game yeah. exists outside New South Wales and Queensland and, and does mention us. And obviously the game, as we believe as we know it, uh, invented 1895 at George Hotel in Huddersfield. Uh, so two two tough games on the horizon now against St. Ellen's. Um, I don't know what we've done with our lives, mate, because surely we could have picked some less stressful things to do than watch LFC every week. Um, following them is easy, but being emotionally attached to them is a bloody nightmare. Yeah, it is. You're right. And it always has been. Always has been. You know, we've never had the, uh, you know, apart from a brief period in the mid-80s, we've never had the luxury of, of following the team that you know is going to win every, every week. You know, we, we haven't been like Wigan supporters or like Leeds supporters in the early 
you know, the mid two thousands or whatever, or Bradford supporters in the late nineties, early two thousands. We, we've we've always been one of those teams that you turn up thinking, "Oh God, I hope we turn up today." <laughs> you know, um, and it, you know it's not good for your health, is it? No. They're the reason that I'm tattooed. They're the reason I'm going grey. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and the reason where most of me swearing comes out. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, I have I have Hull FC activated Tourette syndrome. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, I think we all do. But yeah, maybe should have gone down the road of Russian roulette or bomb disposal. Would have been less stressful, <laughs> less grey hairs. So yeah, it's a nightmare at times. But we love it. Probably won't change it for anything yep. else. And yeah, bring on to the Ellens. Come on, you all. Absolutely. <laughs>